the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after David, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes where he was naked and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there, with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus had appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to Jesus, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. 
Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. After this, he said to him, Follow me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, in the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. I've always found it interesting that uh, it's been hard for the church through the centuries uh, to be able to accept the humanity of Jesus. Uh, there didn't ever seem to be much difficulty with, with his divinity, but it was his humanity that was uh, the cause of the rise of heresy uh, because they simply found it terribly difficult to accept that Jesus could have been a human being. Well, the church down through the centuries has found it difficult to see us, its people, as human beings. And we see that in a number of ways. In our own Episcopal Church, there were those who divorced and then were told that they could never be married in the church again. And of course, you know, the fights we've had over human sexuality and the difficulty we've had in accepting people as they are and truly uh, acknowledging the dignity of every human being. It's been difficult for the church. Well, perhaps some of you have heard about this most recent document that has come from the Vatican called The Joy of Love. It's a vast document. It's a book length. It addresses many different topics, but it does specifically address this situation of people who have been divorced. And as you know, in the Roman Catholic Church, they are excommunicated. They cannot receive communion. And what the document seems to suggest to clergy and to the people is that the church needs to take a more pastoral view of people's individual situations. I think that's very encouraging. And any time any Christian church will accept the humanity of the people that it is serving, I think it is good for all of us. Jesus knew how to forgive, and we see that throughout the Gospels. And I think it's important for us as the church to realize that that, too, is what we're called to as a mission. Now, we have a wonderful example in today's Gospel, and I think it points us to this need to be able to forgive. In this Gospel, it's a, another appearance of Jesus after the resurrection. Now, You'll recall that on the resurrection day, Jesus appeared to the disciples in, in, the, uh, in the locked room where they were so afraid of the authorities. But Thomas wasn't there. So Jesus comes again the same day, later in the day, when Thomas is present. And you recall that Thomas then has the opportunity to see that it indeed is Jesus having been raised from the dead. Now, the, the events of Holy Week the arrest and the crucifixion of Jesus and the resurrection, all of that coming so quickly must have been overload emotionally for the disciples. It's hard to imagine what that must have meant to them. At one point, they thought they were coming into a, a triumphal entry for Jesus into Jerusalem and this wonderful mission that they were on. And then, in a matter of a week, 
All of it was gone. They must have been completely lost. And it's not surprising that perhaps in that sense of being lost and without mission, that they decided to just return to the life that they knew. They had no future ahead of them other than to just go back. So apparently they went back to Galilee. And one of the most interesting little uh, quotes that's in this scripture is that Peter says, I'm going fishing. I remember my grandfather late in life uh, started to take up fishing. He had been a farmer, and I, I didn't recall him ever fishing before he retired. And he and another person in town uh, uh, who had been our scout leader, they started to become fishing buddies. And I really believe that any time my grandfather got frustrated or just kind of fed up with the way things were going around the house, he'd say, I'm going fishing, fishing with Harley. <laughs> Harley was his buddy. So here's Peter completely lost in terms of what the future would be, I'm going fishing. And the other disciples join him in fishing. Well, they go out, and apparently they're out all night, and they don't get any fish. And one of the things that I find kind of interesting in the Gospels is that the disciples never catch any fish when they go fishing unless Jesus tells them what to do. <laughs> Jesus is the real fisherman. <laughs> So they're out there all night fishing and no fish. You know, I think sometimes we can see that in our own ministries. We feel like perhaps they're fruitless. And I think what this points to is the reality that our ministries are not about how much work we put into them, but rather it's about them being grounded and energized by Christ. And that's the difference between catching fish and just fishing all night and coming up empty. Well, it was no different, uh, no different on this fishing trip. They had no fish, and Jesus was on the shore, but they didn't recognize him, and he had built a charcoal fire and was cooking some fish, and he had some bread. And apparently he called to them and said, You haven't caught anything, have you? <laughs> and they acknowledged, indeed, they had caught nothing. He said, put the net down on the right side of the boat. So they put the net down, and it's a gigantic haul of fish. And in that moment, the beloved disciple, who we believe to be John, recognized that it was Jesus. And he said, it is the Lord. I think there's a possibility that John recognized Jesus because of the abundance that he saw in that catch. Now, you'll recall that abundance is a part of Jesus' ministry. His first miracle at the wedding in Cana, there was this enormous amount of water that he transformed into wondrous wine. And then you'll remember the feeding of the multitude and that a meager meal of fish and bread he multiplies many times and feeds everyone. We're reminded over and over again that, that the ministry of Jesus is a ministry of abundance. And that's to be our ministry as well. We are not poor. No matter how poor we might be in material things, we are never poor. We are always proclaiming a gospel of abundance. And I think in that moment, John recognized him. So Peter, hearing John say that it's the Lord... Uh, as uh, impulsive as he is, 
He may have had a loincloth on. He may, might not have been actually completely naked. But the weird thing is, he puts his clothes on and then he jumps into the water. But that might just be the way Peter was. Impulsive, not thinking everything through, but acting. And there's an, another lesson in that, I think, for us. Part of the Christian life is to be contemplative, to be, to be sensitive, to be attentive to God. But another part of the Christian life is to act. To be attentive and not to act doesn't result in anything. So we see in John and in Peter the two qualities of the Christian life which we must embody. To listen, to hear what God is saying, and then to do something about it. Well, they, Peter comes ashore and eventually the, uh, they bring in the, the net that's filled with all the fish. And Jesus invites them to have breakfast with him. And then when they finish breakfast, Jesus begins to ask Peter some questions. He says, Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know that I do. And then he asks him another time, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, I love you. And he asks one more time, Peter, do you love me? And Peter felt a little hurt. Jesus, you know everything. You know that I love you. And every time after Peter, after Jesus asked Peter this question, do you love me? Jesus would say, either feed my sheep or feed my lambs or tend my sheep. This is a wonderful interchange between Jesus and Peter. Because Peter needed, I think, that kind of affirmation that he truly Love, first of all, that he loved Jesus, to reaffirm that to Jesus, but also to have that received by Jesus. And then finally, Jesus says to Peter, follow me. Well, there are a number of things in this passage that are, are very remarkable. Uh, you will recall that Jesus is cooking on a charcoal fire. Now, this is not the first charcoal fire that Peter has encountered or that we've seen in the Gospels. You'll recall that there was a charcoal fire that had been set in the courtyard of the high priest. And Jesus was inside being questioned by the high priest. And Peter was outside with the servants and they were warming themselves by that charcoal fire. And they said to him, aren't you one of his disciples? And he denied that he was. And then another one said, Aren't you a disciple of Jesus? And he denied it again. And then a third time he was asked. And he denied it. And in one of the Gospels, he denied it with profanity. He was so, so clear about the fact that he did not to be identified with Jesus. And in those three denials, Peter had denied his discipleship. And now we come to the fire by the Sea of Galilee and the fish that are being cooked and consumed together with Jesus. And one of the earliest icons of the Eucharist is, are the symbols of fish and bread, not wine and bread, fish and bread. And we see this in Jesus sharing the meal of fish and bread. And Jesus asked three times, just like those servants did, and three times Peter acknowledged his love for Jesus. That must have been an amazing moment because in that moment, Jesus put behind him 
all that had happened in that denial. And not once did Jesus ask Peter to beg for forgiveness. Not once did he ask, don't you feel shame for what you had done? No. The only thing he asked was, do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter, of course, knew that he did. Peter had failed. But in spite of his failure, Jesus brought him back. And in this very strange kind of commissioning, these disciples who are gathered there having breakfast with him as well, they know Peter. This is the crazy guy that jumped in the water with all his clothes on and runs and gets ashore because he's so eager. He is so impetuous. He, is, he has a temper. Peter's a tough guy to be around all the time. They know what he is as a human being. But they also know that Jesus has chosen him to be the leader of the disciples, to be the one who would lead them into the mission that was set before them. They knew Peter as a human being, and Jesus did too. Well, I think there are many lessons in this for us and for the church, for us individually as well. And one of the things that I think we learn from it is the importance of forgiveness. Forgiveness is a wonderful gift. It's a gift to the one who forgives because in forgiving, we let go of resentment. And resentment eats away at the soul. And I think it eats away at the body as well. I believe I've known people who have been physically ill because of the resentment they have harbored for years and years and years that could not be let go of. So it's a gift to the one who forgives. But it's also a gift to the one who is forgiven. Because in being forgiven, we can let go of the guilt that we have felt. And we can recognize that we are back in relationship with that other person. So I believe we are called always to forgive. And remember the example of Jesus on the cross, who was even able to forgive those who were crucifying him. That is what we are called to as Christians. But I think this is also a lesson for the church. The church must be a refuge for sinners. It must be a place where sinners can come and feel that they will receive the grace of God. We mess up our lives in countless ways. And many times we mess them up not because of, of our intent, but it happens to us, and we find ourselves in circumstances that are seemingly beyond our control. God knows that, and God forgives. God's grace is endless. But sometimes the church hasn't offered that grace as endlessly as God would. I believe, as a church, we are called to have open arms to anyone who comes to the church who has sinned, who's fallen short of the grace of God, who has missed the mark, who has been hurt or hurt others. And we, as a, as a community of caring souls, must reach out to them, invite them in to experience the forgiveness and grace of God. And like Peter, we are not called to follow Jesus because we are perfect, but because we are forgiven. If Jesus could forgive Peter, he can forgive you, and he can forgive me. Amen.
Father, we pray for your holy Catholic Church. In the Anglican cycle of prayer, we pray for the Diocese of Banyoro Kitara, Uganda, for Justin, Archbishop of Canterbury, and for the reconciliation in the worldwide Anglican Communion. In our diocesan cycle of prayer, we give thanks for the ministries of St. John's Church, Gloucester, St. John's Chapel, Groton School, St. James Church, Groveland, for the sextons and custodians in our congregations, and for the Boston Episcopal Charitable Institute. Grant that every member of the church may truly and humbly serve you. That your honor may be glorified, I hope. I ask your prayers for Michael, our presiding bishop, for Alan and Gail, our bishops. We pray for all bishops, priests, and deacons that they may be faithful ministers of your word and sacraments. I ask your prayers for Barack, our president, and Charlie, our governor. We pray for all who govern and hold authority in the nations of the world, that there may be justice and peace on the earth. Give us grace to do your will in all that we undertake. We pray especially for Barbara, Sally, Bob, Betsy, Ann, Judy, Nora, Ed, Orly, Scott, David Jr., Barbara, Clementine, Dale, Bob and Pat, Will, John, Ruth, Tom Bridges and family, Heather Ingeborg, Heather Ingeborg, Lucas, Claire, Susie, Tom, Kathy, Kristen, Alice, Ellie, Susan, Peter, Kirsty, Eric, Gail, Jim, Wynn, Harry, Aliona, Wynn and Jenny, Spencer and Louisa, Edie, those without jobs, those serving in the military, all who work for peace, and all who suffer from war. Are there others? 
Have compassion on those who suffer from any grief or trouble. Give to the departed eternal rest. We pray for the repose of the souls of Fred Stewart, uncle of Ernie Stewart, Eliezer Kamen, father of Matt Kamen, and Frank Newcomb, friend of Al Ehrenfried, for whom the flowers at the altar are given today. Are there others? We praise you for your saints who have entered into joy. May we also come to share in your heavenly kingdom. Let us pray for our own needs and those of others. Welcome to all of you this morning. We're having a little difficulty with one of our microphones, so I'm going to be using this for the announcements. Uh, first of all, I want to thank Maureen Kameza, one of our priest associates, for being with us this morning to celebrate the Eucharist. Thank you so much, Maureen. <laughs> Becky is away at Credo, which is a wonderful opportunity for clergy renewal. And she'll be back on Wednesday uh, for anyone who is looking for her or for any kind of return email. Where she is, there is no cell phone service and there's, and there's no Internet. So they really are getting some time for refreshment, I would say. I think we have a couple of announcements this morning. Yes, we do. You're trapped. <laughs> This afternoon at 4 o'clock, Trinity has the privilege of hosting the Seraphim Singers. Seraphim is one of Boston's leading vocal ensembles uh, composed of music directors, including our own Robert Barney, and professional singers from throughout the area. The program this afternoon is Renew the Face of the Earth, Celebrations of the Beauty of Creation. That's at 4 o'clock, and you'll have the chance to see Robert and some other familiar faces as well. Thanks. Thank you, Bill. Good morning. 
Uh, I'm Arthur Walker. I'm, I'm here to uh, make two announcements. The first is to quickly draw your attention to the bulletin with the announcement about the annual Holocaust Memorial on May 1st, and I won't uh, uh, talk because you can read that in your bulletin. Uh, the second is uh, Friday, April 29th. Uh, the uh, Environmental Speaker Series in Concord uh, is sponsoring a panel of speakers at I believe 7 p.m. at West Concord Union Church, and uh, the uh, panelists will be uh, involved with presenting and then questions and answers uh, around the subject of uh, environmental uh, uh, steps that, uh, are, that ordinary Concordians can take. So we hope to see as many of you there as possible. Thank you. Thank you, Arthur. Good morning. I'm Chuck Neeson. And I'd like to call your attention to the notice today about the progressive dinner. It tells when and where. And if you're interested in, a, in a coming, uh, there's a sign-up sheet on the sign-up board, which is down towards the, ca the uh, chapel. But it's a good time. It's the last day of this month, Saturday the 30th. So there's not much, many more Sundays to sign up. And therefore... I'll be around to answer any questions you may have. Thank you. And, uh, and I would also mention there's a bulletin board that is, uh, if you know where the ladies' restroom is at the bottom of the steps, down that hallway on the right-hand side is a bulletin board. And then also across from the office uh, near the parish hall is a bulletin board as well. Good morning. My name is Carol Brady, and I just wanted to remind youth that there is youth group today at 4 o'clock. Um, with the concert up here, we will be quietly meeting downstairs in room one. And in Becky's absence, Bob Penfield, I will be leading the group. Thank you. Great. Thank you. I'm Sharon Dickinson. Um, uh, loving member of this parish since 2010. As many of you know, this parish uh, sponsored me uh, to become a candidate for uh, the priesthood in the Episcopal Church, and that never came to fruition. Still feeling called, I found the Roman Catholic Women Priest uh, Group. They support not just uh, ordination of women, but in fact, full inclusion in all sacraments for all people, no matter what. So I'd like to invite you to my ordination, which will be April 23rd in Morristown, New Jersey, which is far away. However, there's a more local possibility, and that is on May 7th, the night before Mother's Day, uh, I'll be celebrating my first Mass at Wilson Chapel at Andover Newton. I'll send the info to Susan for the... Um, uh, in the bulletin insert, uh, so that you'll have more detail. It's of Brighton Newton Center uh, at 5 o'clock. So I hope you can all come. And if you can, um, let me know if you'd like to be part of the music. Thanks so much. Well, Thank this you. is now the Reverend Sharon Dickinson. Yeah. She's a deacon. Yeah. So we should congratulate you on this Thank monumental Good morning. I'm Lucy Rossborough from the Welcome Committee, and I see quite a number of new faces this week, which is absolutely wonderful. I wanted to bring your attention 
to a full page in the April window announcing a brunch we're having after church on May 1st, the first day of May, the morning after the progressive dinner. And I hope that um, all the newcomers will be able to come with their families. And anyone in the parish who has not been to one of these events, um, you would be most welcome. Uh, We hold the brunch after church across the street at our house, 56 Elm Street. There will be information in the bulletin. And um, it's a wonderful occasion. It's Tony and Lou's last um, newcomer brunch, so it's going to be very special. And uh, you'll learn a lot about uh, the parish and meet wonderful people. The other thing I'd like to say is um, we keep a copy of the new window every Sunday on the back table. A number of people do not get this electronically. If you would like to get it by email and haven't already, if you could let me know at the back, I'll sign you up, or you can let Ann know in the office. But it contains everything that's going on for the month, and it's very useful to have a paper copy for a lot of people. And the final thing is, if you need name tags, just sign up in the back, and we'll have them printed for you. Thank Great. you. Thank you, Lucy. Sorry to take so no, much time. No, that's fine. <laughs> and, and Lucy is at the welcome table in the back. If you're new, please stop there so you can sign the guest book. And there's a lot of information back there at the welcome table. Thank you, Lucy. Good morning. Susie Buttrick here, speaking for the Healing Prayer Team. Tonight, 7 o'clock in the chapel, will be our Healing Prayer service. Very peaceful moment candle it. I hope you'll be there. Thank you, Susie. Good morning. I'm Jay Luby, Senior Warden. Trinity is very fortunate to have many unsung heroes. I think all of us know that there are a lot of people that work behind the scenes without receiving much, if any, credit, who who make a huge difference for Trinity. I wish we could acknowledge all those who make such a contribution, but today it seems especially fitting to honor one person who, in, in many respects, may be the epitome of the unsung hero at Trinity. I would appreciate it if John Woodward could join me at the lectern. Thanks, John. There are a lot of things I could say about uh, John, but um, Tony's standing right next to me, as you see. Uh, He's given me dispensation from the 30-second rule, but not the three-minute rule. So, um, Last week, we announced that Trinity has a new website. It's a wonderful website. I hope you'll visit it. What we didn't announce on purpose because of the snow was that for the past 15 years, John has been the webmaster for Trinity's computer system uh, until we got this new one. It's, he's done an incredible job there. And, in fact, it's, it's sort of like the worst possible volunteer position. <laughs> Why? Uh, any of you who know John knows that he's extremely smart, and he's also exceptionally responsive. But the problem was that no one thought about John or the website until there was a problem. 
And as soon as there was a problem, they'd say, John, what's the problem? What, you know, why is it taking so long? Well, it wasn't John. He was always very responsive. It was those of us who didn't communicate the problem to him soon enough. But he's the one who got the brunt of the criticism. So uh, it's, it's just incredible all that he did in, in making the computer system work as the webmaster, and, and we're very, very um, appreciative of that. Uh, again, I don't have time to cite all the things that John has done for Trinity, but let me start with just a few things. Um, in addition to serving as the webmaster, John has handled all of our hardware uh, over the last number of years, our telephone system, our networking infrastructure. In addition, some of you know that John was instrumental in working closely with the stewardship team to introduce the popular PayPal feature. This makes, uh, you know, it's another option that people have really uh, uh, embraced and like a lot. Recently, among, along with a few others, John um, rewired the Undercroft. That was a huge task, took a lot of time, a lot of effort. Finally, during the past few years, John has been at the forefront of planning and implementing a state-of-the-art networking facility that will carry us for decades into the future. Um, I know because I saw him at many of the uh, meetings with the, uh, the building team. Uh, he did an awful lot of behind-the-scenes planning, uh, trying to theorize what would be the best system for Trinity at the, you know, at the, at the appropriate kind of cost. Uh, he spent countless hours doing this kind of thing. In short, John's been an incredible resource for Trinity in so many ways by quietly providing his expertise, time, and effort to make Trinity so much better than it would have been otherwise, all at no cost. John's truly an amazing blessing for our parish. And as a, a token of our appreciation, we have a nice framed watercolor print to give to him. Please, please join me in crediting John. in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God.
The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. God of all power, ruler of the universe, you are worthy of glory and praise. At your command, all things came to be. The vast expanse of interstellar space, galaxies, suns, the planets in their courses, and this fragile Earth, our island home. From the primal elements, you brought forth a human race and blessed us with memory, reason, and skill. You made us the rulers of creation. But we turned against you and betrayed your trust, and we turned against one another. Again and again, you called us to return. Through prophets and sages, you revealed your righteous law. And in the fullness of time, you sent your only son, born of a woman, to fulfill your law and open for us the way of freedom and peace. And therefore we praise you, joining with the heavenly chorus, with prophets, apostles, and martyrs, and with all those in every generation who have looked to you in hope, to proclaim with them your glory in their unending hymn. Father, we who have been redeemed by him and made a new people by water and the Spirit, now bring before you these gifts. Sanctify them by your Holy Spirit to be the body and blood of Jesus Christ our Lord. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread, said the blessing, broke the bread and gave it to his friends and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. After supper, he took a cup of wine, gave thanks, and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Remembering now his work of redemption and offering to you this sacrifice of thanksgiving, we celebrate his death and resurrection 
as we await the day of his coming. Lord God of our ancestors, God of Abraham and Sarah, Hagar, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob, Leah and Rachel, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, open our eyes to see your hand at work in the world about us. Deliver us from the presumption of coming to this table for solace only and not for strength, for pardon only and not for renewal. Let the grace of this Holy Communion make us one body, one spirit in Christ, that we may worthily serve the world in his name. Risen in the breaking of the bread. Accept these prayers and praises, Father, through Jesus Christ, our great High Priest, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit your Church gives honor, glory, and worship from generation to generation. Amen. Amen. And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Alleluia. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Alleluia. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ lived and died and rose again for you. And feed, in, feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving, knowing that all are welcome at Christ's holy table. Amen. The body of Christ, the bread of heaven.
Let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in this sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of this congregation, I send you forth bearing these holy gifts, that those to whom you go may share with us in the communion of Christ's body and blood. We who are many are one body, because we all share one bread. The God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you whole in every good work to do God's will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in God's sight. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, be upon you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.